0: Welcome to Gray Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Gray Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode, this one entitled, How to Argue Like a Christian. I hope that piqued your interest and you've joined in just to find out what it's all about. Uh, there seems to be so much going on in our world, in our communities, in our personal lives uh, that causes conflict. Um, Certainly there's things that we we have to talk about or maybe we don't want to talk about in order to avoid conflict. Any way you look at it, this is definitely a topic that people have questions about. It's something that's in their lives right now that they're going to have to deal with. Arguments. I did a quick Google search, uh, looking at how to argue, um, and some of those things that, uh, auto fill for you at the end on, on your, your search bar, uh, were how to argue with the cat. I guess there's some book, uh, somebody wrote how to argue effectively, how to argue with a narcissist, how to argue and win every time, how to argue in a relationship and how to argue without crying. I don't know, maybe that last one was you where it's just like the last thing you want to do is get in any sort of conflict because my, I'm just going to start crying because this is terrible. <laughs> there's so many questions out there about conflict. Then there's others it seems like, all they're doing is searching out conflict, searching out ways to get their opinion or uh, out there or persuade others about what the right thing is that they should be doing. And why can't people just see it that way? Um, this is true in in the secular world. This is true in the church. Um, so we want to talk today uh, with our guest Daryl Stetler about how to argue like a Christian. What does it look like to be Christ-like? in an argument this is certainly something that i personally have been working on uh and we talk about uh resources a lot on this podcast and one great resource on arguing especially arguing like a christian and being christ-like in our arguments is god's word and in james chapter 1 verse 19 uh, there's a verse that's really been uh god's been working on me through that verse and it says my dear brothers and sisters Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that has been a challenge for me as I approach arguments, uh, to be as quick to listen as I can, uh, slow to actually speak, uh, try to understand the other person, and then slow to become angry and infuse my own emotions into it. Um That, along with a lot of the resources that uh, Daryl mentions in this episode um, and the insight that he gives us in this episode, um, has been a catalyst for me working on the way that I approach arguments, uh, whether it's with uh, my wife, my kids, uh, my friends, or those I I, I meet out and about. Um, I want to be Christ-like, and so I am preparing myself. Uh, to better approach those arguments so that I can represent Christ like he wants me to. Our guest today is Daryl Stetler. He is a father of seven, a husband, and a pastor of the Oklahoma City Bible Methodist Church out in Oklahoma. Uh, He has a passion for helping small churches and busy pastors Uh, getting them discipleship resources and practical tools that help to train and retain new Christians. He has a lot of free resources to check out at newstartdiscipleship.com, including a 50-day Bible reading plan, uh, 40 days of holiness, a 40-day Bible study on God's holiness, um, nine lessons on defending the faith, all sorts of things over there. We're going to put a link in the show notes for you, and uh, he's going to talk about uh, some of his resources a little bit more in the show. So let's go to our conversation right now with Daryl Stetler. All right, we have Daryl Stetler here on Gray Story Podcast. Daryl, how how are you doing out there in Oklahoma?
1: It is hot and flat. We are. Uh, <laughs> it's one hundred and seventy-two <laughs> degrees today. At least I think that was how hot it was. Uh, so no, we're we're doing well. We're doing well. It's uh, summertime all over the place. So we're we're doing doing great.
0: Well, over here in the the Midwest, we think it's bad when we hit 95. So we've been suffering as well. I've had to water my grass a few times. So it's it's been rough. Now, before let, let, we let jump- me
1: interrupt you and just ask real quick, because the Midwest, <laughs> I uh, see I live in Oklahoma and this is something that people who live back east. See, we refer to where you live as back east. And <laughs> so I the, the reason I wonder about the people who call Ohio the Midwest are like, I don't think they've looked at a map since about 1850. Uh, maybe <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. We're the well, Midwest. You guys are the East.
0: <laughs> well, over here, you know, we, we name our States very, uh, uh we're very pompous with it. The heart of it all, oh, the yes. crossroads of America here oh, in Indiana. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's, you know, you're in a flyover state. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, of course, Fair. Indiana, I guess. Depends That's on right. where you are. Right. It's always better somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> before we get into our, our questions today. I, uh, which I, I flagged this in the last episode and told people we we're going to be talking about how to argue like a Christian. So we'll see why people tuned in, whether that's uh, how to get your point across better than the other person. Are we doing strategies? Um, how to yell better? Uh, should you type in all caps on Facebook? Um, but before we get into all that, um, I have a question for you. If you could go back in time and meet any historical figure, we're gonna we're except for Jesus Christ because that's too easy. Um, who would it be and why?
1: Oh wow! Um, so I think probably that I would want to go back and meet the Apostle Paul. Uh, just the the passion, the strategy, the um, just. I, I know that he would probably frustrate me sometimes, but <laughs> um, I. I think that uh, I would I would dearly love to sit down and get some more stories, and uh, so someday someday I will meet him, and uh, look forward to that. But I think that's probably where I would go with it. Just an incredible strategy and passionate guy for the kingdom. I'd love to talk to. him.
0: So that's an interesting answer, and I usually don't have a follow up answer for the intro question, but. Why would he frustrate you? Is is it the, all things are lawful, the Liberty, the, what, what would be frustrating about meeting Paul?
1: No, no, I think, I think that, uh, personalities, strong personality. I, I am not always right, but I'm never in doubt. And, uh, Paul is, I think probably the same way. Um, so it's, uh, he's a strong personality. Um, and, uh, you see that in conflicts with Barnabas and his just, uh, there's just no quit in Paul. Uh, what all the stuff he went through and imprisonment and shipwrecks and beatings and working day and night and all, and the pressure of all of it, conflict all over the place. But there's just no quit in the guy. And I think just that strength of personality is is not a bad thing, but it can be frustrating sometimes. I think I would probably run into him eventually.
0: Well, you bring up a good segue here because conflict and conflict resolution, um, and even your answer to that, you might have a few people uh, that would, if you made it a Facebook post or on Twitter, they'd be like, well, I don't know. I read the book over here. Have you looked at the context of Acts chapter, blah, blah, blah? Everybody's got an opinion and and arguments uh, headbutting arises. I guess just jumping in at the top, is it Christ-like to have an argument? Can you, as our title says, uh, have a Christian argument? Is that possible?
1: I do think it is. Uh, when you say, is it possible to have Christ-like conflict, there's no question that Jesus, I mean, not to drop names, but Jesus <laughs> had conflict. I mean, the the idea, kind of this uh, this fairy tale Christianity, unicorns and, and rainbows, where the Christian life means you don't have to fight and you don't have to disagree, is just not accurate at all. Uh, Jesus didn't have perfect relationships because one of the two parts of each of the relationships he was in, half of every relationship he was in, was not perfect. And so people were misunderstanding him and people were arguing with him and people even his own disciples were frustrated with him sometimes and so definitely it is possible to be Christ like be in conflict and still still be able to to keep a sweet spirit and be exactly what God wants you to be in the middle of conflict Jesus was
0: so, and, and that points to some of those things that make us um, likened in the image of God that He's made us. And that includes the emotions. God has emotions. We as beings have emotions. Uh, so, if arguments are a thing, if conflict is inevitable, uh, I guess my next question would be how, how do we have those? Because emotionally charged, how can we prepare for arguments and understand how to be Christ like in the
1: argument? I'm actually, I just finished reading the other day, um, John Wesley's sermon, The Catholic Spirit. Um, and riveting.
0: He, that sounds riveting. Yes.
1: So the, the word Catholic, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, the word Catholic there is not referring to the Roman Catholic Church. It's referring to the universal church. The word Catholic used to mean universal. Um, it still does, but most people don't think of it that way. Um, so the, the universal spirit, meaning like um, a broadness of spirit, a broadness of love. And he says in that sermon. Of course, John Wesley was frequently in conflict. Uh, was uh, often debating in the public square. Was often disagreed with and was shut out of churches and all of that. And, and w- at one point, was dragged by his hair through the streets of a town by a mob. Uh, wow! He, one time, he was shut out of, a, of churches, and he went and preached a sermon on his father's tombstone. He said, "They cannot stop me from preaching on my father's tombstone." So <laughs> the 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 stories of people like this—they—they they help us. He wrote this sermon, uh, Catholic spirit, and he said, "If we not, if we do not think alike, may we not love alike?" So mm-hmm. I think the, the the foundational idea is that we ought to be we ought to be loving and have a love for everyone that we interact with, even those that we disagree with. And love doesn't always look squishy and warm fuzzy. Sometimes it just means doing what is best for that person. In fact, I would say that's fundamentally is a commitment to the best interest of the other person. So disagreement is just inevitable, but the solution is not just to to go squishy and not have any opinions. And uh, in the uh, the sermon, uh, Catholic Spirit, this is going to be a great a uh, uh, great vocab word for you. Okay. So this is the phrase of the day. Wesley said the solution is not speculative latitudinarianism. Ooh, I like <laughs> so, that. <laughs> yeah, let's use that as much as possible today. Um, so speculative, speculative la- latitudinarianism.
0: <laughs> latitudinarianism. Okay. <laughs> That's
1: correct. So so the idea is that oh i don't know everything goes that's the idea well it's you know all opinions are true he said that's not mm, that's yeah. not the solution the solution is that there is truth but we can have a we can have a a specific strong opinion with a broadness of spirit that allows for human faults and misunderstandings and disagreements and so i think the foundation of christian argument has to be a love for the person you're arguing with if you don't care about them in any kind of way, if all you care about is being right, they'll never see the glory of Christ in you because ultimately holiness and Christ-likeness is, is bound up in the love that we have for God and man. And so uh, that's that's going to have to be the first thing uh, is loving the person across from me, and sometimes that's really hard because it's it, the people that we disagree with are obnoxious, or they are sometimes they're really close to us. Sometimes we can hurt the people closest to us the worst um, in those kind of arguments. But loving those people and being committed to caring about them is is foundational to be able to agree in a godly kind of way.
0: Well, it's not lost on me that um, there's been enough, probably. Enough experience for each one of our listeners over the last couple of years that each person probably has a moment in time on varying levels of relationship status of an argument that was had in person or, or via social media, via text, private message, whatever it may be. And this is purely anecdotal, but I think. I've seen a lot of people learn what uh, the 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 term ad hominem means, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know, personal attacks. Uh, y- you know, we're just geared up for it. We're ready uh, for these things. Uh, we had we had somebody send in a question that they wanted to have answered on on a podcast, and I think it definitely applies here. Uh, this is not one of the ones I sent you, so uh, it's off the cuff here. But uh, they said a question I would love to have asked: How do you handle arguments from a mental health perspective if someone is using harsh language and maybe even directly attacking you what mindset are you using in that moment to handle the stress and the emotions that naturally come with it so i'm geared up i understand i need to show the love of christ to someone else but they're not showing it to me and i know yeah turn the other cheek but this is this is baloney. And I need to make sure that they, how do you prepare for that emotional uh, moment that's going to well up inside of you from a mental health perspective?
1: Wow. Yeah. Man, what a great, what a great question. That's, that's really insightful. Um, I I think you have to say from, for two or three, two or three techniques or, or uh, preparations, if you will, for those kind of conversations that you know are going to be hard and the other person's not going to be exactly what you would like them to be and they're not going to agree with you. And when you know that's coming, I think that you you have to there's there's two or three things. I want to start by saying one thing. The long-term prep is important. You have to do short-term prep for for a, a, an argument like that where you want to have a okay, I'm taking a deep breath here. I'm I'm realizing that I'm not going to get agreement and that's not, you know, I'm not I'm not going to escape from this without them saying something nasty. That's short-term thinking. But let let me just say, in today's strongly divided world, and in today's just where everything is ugly and people are frustrated and angry, I think that the the long-term solution is discipleship. The long-term solution to, to this sort of problem is discipleship, and we need to realize that everything is discipleship. Uh, social media, that's discipleship. Um, listening to talk radio or reading the news or your favorite news website, that's discipleship. Cable news is discipleship. Um, everything is discipling you one direction or another. And if, if, you, if the inputs that you have to your spirit and your mind are not healthy emotionally, you will not be healthy in the output. It's not going to happen. And so, to find that place of mental health in an in an argument, a discussion like that, you're going to have to have a long term solution of saying, okay, I'm going to make sure that the inputs that I have are appropriate and right, and that they are uh, they are good and true and trustworthy, and all those Philippians four eight uh things you know that that the th- the inputs i have are that kind of inputs because that's the long-term prep for one of those so because you know we're not going to suddenly stop having these conversations so for the one two years from now you can start getting ready right now <laughs> by by deciding what kind of inputs and what kind of vit- you know if, if i'm continually taking in vitriol it's going to produce a certain kind of output in my life it will happen And so I'm I'm gonna have to turn some of that down or turn some of it off and move forward with hearing the voice of God. And the second thing I would say is is when you're as far as short term, there's a term that I use. I I call it knowing where your center is. And somebody told me one time if you know where your center is, then you can't be pushed off balance. And We are built. We are wired up in mental health and in spirit. Ultimately, behind that spiritual health, we are wired up to expect and to long for, uh, you know, connection and um, uh, approval and all of that. But we have to feed that. We have to get that for the sake of our mental health and our spiritual health. We have to get that from Christ. And if you know where your center is, and you know you are loved, and you know you are being made whole, and you know that you are uh, approved of in the highest places of the universe, then you don't have to come back. It, it doesn't have to push you off center when somebody bumps you. It doesn't have to push you off balance. And so that's to me, is is super crucial. And we can talk about the last one later, uh, but one other thing that I would tell people is, is when you've got to have um, when you've got to have a hard conversation, um, to have some techniques, uh, some, some techniques that will help you process through, um, those kind of difficult things. We can, we can talk about those, uh, whenever you're ready, but, uh, but long-term prep is discipleship and then know where your center is.
0: Well, I, I'm hearing a few things. One, the inverse of what you're talking about too, is if I can be discipled by information or things people put out on, on social media or talk shows, then I, as a Christ follower, should be careful about what I am putting out that can disciple others or lead them in a direction oh, yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Especially if I have some level of, uh, whether that's just from age, there's people younger than me looking up to me. Uh, I don't want to think I'm that old, but I'm 34 now. Um, my toddler says I'm ancient because I have two <laughs> two digits in my age. Uh, there's people looking up to me to, to know how to interact and, and what way to go. And then sure. also you, you touched on it. The, 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 the Trinity, the community that's in the Trinity is also in us as well. That need for community. Um, I mean, we talked about it a lot in the last episode with uh, Joseph Reed, uh, as he was talking about mental health and the importance of community as one of his tools mm-hmm. uh, moving forward in his journey of restoration. Uh, let's go right to what you're talking about though. Uh, and, and I'll phrase it with a question for you. You know, what, how do I become more comfortable with those questions that require honesty and conflict resolution? And then what are the tools I can use within those moments?
1: Sure. So to become more conflict or more, more comfortable with conflict, you have to change your view of it. A lot of times you have to, to come to the conclusion that it isn't the end of the world or that it's not, um, that, that it isn't itself. It can be healthy. So, I would just start by saying avoiding healthy conflict is unhealthy.
0: So, so as I'm hearing that, i'm 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 betting a lot of people are. that's great to say, Daryl. yeah, sure. Uh, I hate conflict. I avoid it at all costs. It makes me feel anxiety. i will I would rather live in a whole when those pictures pop up on Facebook of would you live in a cabin without internet for a year for a million dollars? I'm the first person to sign up. What is that? Are you talking exposure therapy? I just need to go search for arguments uh, to get used to it. What What does that mean?
1: So I think that that changing our mindset toward it. it, Let me let me just mention a book here that would be uh, maybe useful uh, for for people. Something that is uh, is particularly. Uh, it just deals with this conflict issue. It does it from a kind of a business corporate sort of standpoint, but I think it's a uh, helpful, uh, helpful resource nonetheless. And that is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Um, Really neat book. Uh, some of it's presented in kind of a parable story form. Uh, a lot of the content is. And so uh, so it's, it's not just a book of, you know, propositional logic out there somewhere, <laughs> but it's... Um, it's a really helpful way of of looking at and, and framing conflicts so that we we understand that we're going to have to go ahead and process through the emotions. Um, I Sometimes my wife and I call it taking out the trash. Um, the, the truth is that every home generates trash and every relationship generates unresolved issues. It resolves it, unresolved feelings, unresolved hurts, things that I said that they didn't understand or they took wrong. Um, every relationship generates that it's just as natural as trash piling up in the trash can. And so there has to be a routine where you take that out. And that's conflict because it's smelly and it's nasty and it's fallen over the side and you got to push it down and you got to bag it up. But you know what, what we did in our home, I don't know about you guys, but what we did in our home with the trash problem is we have a system for it. We have a trash can, uh, it's this great, uh, cause I've got seven kids and a wife. It's this great 33 gallon, uh, uh, you know, stainless steel trash can over here. We don't do the little 13 gallon. That's for weaklings. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, we have this, this system and it's, it's amazing. It's one place where we know to put the trash and then we have a kid, uh, son that takes it out and, uh, we've got trash cans outside and once a week the, the uh, trash truck comes by and scoops it up and takes it with them because we know it's going to happen, we have to, to come up with a way to deal with it in a, a sanitary way. And in, in a lot of ways, that's kind of the, a metaphor for dealing with conflict within relationships. You know that trash is going to build up because you have a relationship. Um, there's going to be byproduct. And so you're going to have to figure out a, a system for regularly picking that up and carrying it outside so that it doesn't You don't just dump that casserole, uh, into, um, on the floor right here and we'll pick it up later. You know, that's not going to work. So avoiding healthy conflict is itself unhealthy and you just have to decide you're going to move toward it and look at it, reframe it as a taking out of the trash. Uh, that's to me is the most helpful mental frame uh, for that. So, um, and then I forget the rest of the question you just asked. Uh,
0: well, I'm, I'm just over here going back to my childhood because uh, that was my job growing up. <laughs> I was not good at it. If you, You'd think there was something simple that you couldn't be bad at, but, um, yeah, I ripped a few uh, uh, bags on the way to the dumpster uh, there at uh, my, my alma mater, GBS, and, uh, you know, there's so many trash cans in the, in the house. Anyways, but enough about my failures. Uh, moving towards... <laughs> As we're as we're becoming more comfortable, or we might not, but understanding that it's a necessary uh, um, a necessary thing in relationships, what are some tools I can put in my tool bag for a little later on when I know this conflict is going to arise for the relationships that I want to care for?
1: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, so there's there's techniques that you can use. Sometimes uh, we we, had, we need to remember uh, first of all that to watch our nonverbals. Okay, so um, this is really, uh, if you're on Facebook, that's one of the reasons why Facebook and Twitter and, and texting and things like that is not a good way to resolve conflict. It, it, there are techniques you can use there too, but it's not a good one because nonverbals are not present. Um, not really. Um, there's only like like you mentioned earlier caps lock, you know, is like the only nonverbal and maybe some uh, maybe some emojis, uh, which I try to use smile emojis frequently. But you, know, you only have so much that you can do there. But there, there's um, I always take people when I'm counseling, I take people through a uh, an exercise where we say the phrase, I didn't say you were stupid. And then we use, we emphasize a different word. We keep repeating it and emphasize a different word each time. And the emotional subtext, the unspoken words change with everyone. I didn't say you were stupid. Well, the emotional subtext is somebody else said it, right? I didn't say you were stupid. I'm angry. I'm denying. I didn't say you were stupid, right? Well, <laughs> the emotional subtext there is clearly like, well, I thought it, you know. So the the bottom line is we actually say a lot of things, that we don't say. And so we need to figure out how to make sure that we are doing that well. And so watch your nonverbals, uh, be aware of them, smile, uh, slow down, um, be, uh, be open in your posture, all of those. There, there's a lot of nonverbal stuff that can be done there. Um, additionally, it, there's another part of nonverbals that is tone of voice. My wife knows this. She will she will know when I'm in conflict on the phone because as a pastor, believe it or not, sometimes people call you and they're not happy, um, and uh, <laughs> so so she will know when I'm in conflict on the phone because she. We'll laugh. We use this phrase that I got from uh, the book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's uh, He used to be the chief negotiator, head nego- hostage negotiator for the FBI. And uh, so he wrote a book on the negotiation. Um, and he talks about what he calls the late night DJ voice, which you have, by the way. I have a, a set of uh, <laughs> the vocal envy whenever Nate Davison opens his mouth. Uh, but but so the, the late night DJ voice, you know, he he brings it down on purpose. Mm. And the way it's said, and the way it's spoken—not in a condescending way, but in a in a, an approachable way, and and not trying to to do anything strange, just speaking kindly. All right. So you're those are nonverbals too. Okay. So watch nonverbals—that's that's that's, uh, that's one uh, technique.
0: Well, with that with with that—that's something. So as a nurse, we are trained to de-escalate situations and that is one of the tools that we use instead of matching tone uh, certainly have your safety have your yourself at the door ready to escape but one of the tools you can use is as they are yelling at you you just start to talk quieter and quieter and they inevitably have inevitably have to lower themselves in order to hear what you're saying and if they don't move towards hearing what you're saying then you're not going to communicate and you realize that and you move towards something with a needle that goes into a hip. Uh, and that helps the situation, but barring being able to stick a needle into a hip, what's that next, uh, next tool that we can use in, in real life situations.
1: So if you know that it's, you're in that situation where you're going to need a needle, you know, and you don't, you can't use one in your family, weirdly enough, uh, there's laws and stuff. (laughs) it's Um, it's frowned upon. It is frowned upon. Um, (laughs) So if you know it's going to be, something's going to be needed, one way that you can do that is what I call a timeout. Now, a timeout is very different from stonewalling. Stonewalling is unhealthy where you just shut down and you're like, um, okay, fine, whatever. You know, there's a there's that, just like Kurt brief replies or no reply. And just like there's, uh, you turn away and you, you can tell when somebody's stonewalling. They walk out of the house, you know, they they go for a whatever, leave and whatever. They're not looking and they're not, carrying, they're not moving toward or allowing the conflict to happen because they've built a stone wall. Uh, taking a timeout is not that. Um, a timeout is is where you say, you know what, I am going to, I'm going to need a moment to regroup here so I don't be hurtful. Can we come back to this conversation at five uh, when I uh, in an, in an hour or whatever? You know, in other words, the a strategic timeout means that you communicate. I'm the one who need who has has something I need to, to work through. It's not you. Um, and then secondly, you are offering proactively a time to come back. So the other person knows that you're not trying to shut this down. You're saying, I'm gonna need to come back to this. And obviously they 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 could continue screaming or whatever, but then there's other issues that that you have to sure. work through there. And and so um, but that is a, a way in which you can prevent escalation. Escalation is that thing where I'm going to one-up you and you're going to one-up me and then I one-up you and we just keep going that way until everything blows sky high. And so instead, if you know that the potential is there for that and you can't dodge it, uh, then saying, look, I'm going to need a moment to regroup here so I don't say something that is unkind. I don't want to be mean to you and I don't want to yell. Can I come back and have this conversation with you in one hour? um, or whatever, you know, whatever after supper or whatever. Um, I really want to solve this. Um, but I, I can't do it right now. So that's, that's one way that you can try to find a a way to step back. Um, and, and I know that some of these things do presuppose a certain amount of willingness on the part of the other person, a certain amount of goodwill, but I think that's a key mindset shift that needs to happen that, that you need to assume a measure of goodwill going into uh, into a conversation. If you can see that person not as an enemy to be subdued, but as a person who is generally a person of goodwill and has goodwill toward you, and therefore you feel like you can try to find a, a place of common ground, that's really a, a huge, huge time, a, a mindset uh, that that changes things to me.
0: Well, there's, there's two things that I hear from you. One is, well, three things really. One, there's there's got to be healthy boundaries for for these types of tools to actually work. Uh, if, there, if there's not healthy boundaries, uh, you, you, there's there's some um, other issues at hand yeah. that need yeah. more of a survival mentality mm-hmm. uh, Too, I, I love that measurable goal. That's well stated. And it sounds like you may want to communicate these in a close relationship ahead of time like you have with your spouse. Hey, here's something we can use later on. We know we got to take the trash out. If emotions get too involved, if the trash gets too smelly, all of a sudden we can we can take a moment. It's okay for the betterment of our relationship because I don't think you can do that without some prep based on the emotion.
1: Yeah. So there's a book by Scott Stanley um, and I can't remember the uh, co-author's name um, called Fighting for Your Marriage. And so I took a training in that one time, and it really became it was was neat because I haven't I've used it in counseling. I don't know how many times since that time. Uh, but it became part first before it was even that it became a part of me and Liz and our relationship, um, and that is that you have to have a technique to for how to argue when it really matters, right? So when the stakes are high, we cannot dodge this. We have to take this trash out. Well, when you have when, when you're taking out trash like i said a while ago you have a system you have a bag you have those drawstring things on top you know you've got some maybe you got this perfumed bags that's <laughs> try trying to make it smell better you have you have techniques that you've built around trying to contain and make that palatable and so you're not just scooping up the trash in your bare hands and so in the same way having a technique an argument technique is really valuable you agree upon it Outside of the conflict time, right? You don't wait till you're in the conflict to agree upon it in in relationships. You agreed on it outside the conflict time. So an argument technique, the, the analogy I love to use is it's like a spoon, All right? It isn't natural to use, but it does keep you from making such a big mess. Um, so you've, everybody, we've all watched, it'll feel really weird to use it at first, but we've all watched a baby, you know, try to use a spoon, learn to use a spoon. And they're like trying to turn it around and they miss their mouth and their, you know, baby food all over their face, but it, it's a mess at first it, but the goal is to keep them from scooping up the baby food with their bare hands because that's definitely going to be worse. And in the long run, it keeps it cleaner. And so here's what I love to use. And this is Liz and I use it, um, use it when we really have to. Uh, And we actually kind of, we've used it for so long. We kind of unconsciously switch into it, uh, which is kind of a cool place to get to in your relationship. We've been married for 19 years now. So, Um, so I, I call it the speaker listener technique. Um, So, the speaker listener technique is basically this it is uh that one person has the floor and at the beginning we actually had an item that we had we we held you it a, you had a talking stick <laughs> we, <laughs> you, you know the idea right that's exactly that's the idea so um uh, you hold something or you, now we don't but at that time we had something and we literally would pass it back and forth i have the floor and my got my job when i have the floor is to try to communicate as clearly as possible what my position is and why I'm frustrated and how I'm feeling. Um, So we would use for that, we would use what we call XYZ statements or feeling statements, which is kind of a common uh, technique. It's basically, it's formulated like this. I feel X when you Y because Z. So I feel X when you Y because Z. So I feel frustrated when you don't want to go to my parents because, um, you know, whatever. And I'm just making that up because my wife loves to go to my parents' house, (laughs) I should probably say. Um, That's actually true. And so I'm just making that up from uh, many times of counseling couples. But um, I feel frustrated when you uh, speak that way or you look that you do that thing with your eyes and you roll them around in your head, you know, because it makes me feel undervalued. It makes me feel belittled and and like you don't care. I mean, you, you don't think I'm an amazing husband. <laughs> so you get the idea. So when you use that, so her job then is to listen well enough that she can reflect back to me what I said, rephrasing it appropriately however she wants to. So I hear you saying, and that's the key phrase for the listener. Uh, so the key phrase for the speaker is, I feel X when you Y because Z. And the key phrase for the listener is, um, I hear you saying, and then they paraphrase back to you and then you can either tweak that or you can say, yeah, yeah, that's it. The goal is to keep the temperature down. It, it keeps away what John Gottman calls the four horsemen of divorce. Um, you know, <laughs> stonewalling and, and, uh, escalation and all the, those, the four things that I'll let people go look that up themselves. But, um, it keeps those things in check and, um, so it's, it's just a tool. It's a boundary for a conversation. If somebody doesn't allow those boundaries to happen, um, th- then you need to rethink things completely. There needs to be outside intervention at some point, uh, whether it's police or, <laughs> or a, uh, a counselor or a third party that's, that can arbitrate uh, in some kind of way. Um, so those are the kind of boundaries that, that I think are, are particularly helpful with, with face-to-face arguments.
0: Well, I want I want to shift just just a little bit to maybe someone who. Is thinking about you know a Facebook argument, or they've had a conflict with a friend, uh, maybe they've had someone in their own church where they're split on on maybe not just the color of the carpet, um, but you know something uh, that's in scripture that they sure. feel is foundational, yeah. or politics, um, or or sure.
1: yeah, COVID nineteen or masks or like man, we've had so many things this year, huh?
0: So I, I, yeah, I, I guess I'd phrase, and I don't know exactly where I'm going this with this, but should I enter some of these conversations uh, with the expectation that I am going to win and I am going to save the world and I'm going to win them to my side? Or is there a way to have an argument where I can edify myself through the argument and be okay with being perceived as wrong? Uh, I'm not sure if that's clear, but how do I get okay with being perceived as wrong and what should those arguments look like?
1: So on social media, you don't have the benefit of some things. You don't have the benefit of a close relationship. Um, I have 4,800 Facebook friends. Um, I don't, I don't even, some of them, I don't know where I know them from. They friend requested me and I'm like, okay, if you want to keep up with what's going on in my life, that's fine. You know, that's kind of the, <laughs> my, that, that's my social media philosophy. Uh, my wife's is completely different. Um, and so, but I don't scroll Facebook that much. So, uh, it's, in fact, let me let me just speak a word here. Um, there's a there's a great little app called Freedom. Uh, Freedom dot is the is the the address. And in fact, I'll give you a, a link that you can put in your show notes or whatever that uh, that uh, gives people of uh, gives me a kickback if people do that. But I'm not sharing it because of the kickback. Um, actually, I'm sharing it because I literally use it and it's it's mind-blowingly amazing. Um, so it, it basically. Gives me a certain time frame. I can set all kinds of, of uh, boundaries on that sort of thing. You can set it on your phone to where it blocks news or it blocks social media or whatever. And my, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm happier. Mm. And, and I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I talked a while ago about centeredness, finding your center. And I have to tell you that when you find your center, that's happy. It really does give joy to know who you are and what you believe, and that you are okay um, if people disagree with you. And no, I don't think I, I don't think it's it, it's not healthy to feel like I've got to go save the world from every wrong opinion. That's terrible. It's it, that's like bondage and and pain. I, I think that instead that we should have a that we should genuinely be happy. In where we are, and be fully, as as the scripture says, fully persuaded in his own mind. Right? Um, we should be fully persuaded, and come to a place where we can be at peace with who we are and what we believe. If you can't be that, probably just don't talk about it. You know, just 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 don't talk about it. There's not. If you can't be like, I know what I believe here, and I'm at peace with it. Um, not meaning I have found the one truth that came down on the backside of the 10 commandments from the top of the mountain and nothing will ever change my mind. No, no. I'm talking about that. You're centered, that you're at, you found a place where I can't prove everything to a hundred percent level, but I know what I believe and I'm happy. And if you can't be happy, don't go into that argument. Uh, because if you're not happy, it'll show up. Uh, if you're not glad in who you are, you, you won't be able to respond well. And Uh, you, ultimately some of this comes back to like an idolatry um, Mm -hmm. in our hearts. John, John Calvin said the heart is an idol factory. And, and I know that Jesus can put the idol factory, the heart out of production, but we, we have to learn to cooperate with that and to allow him to shut the, shut, shut down the, the uh, what's the word assembly line, you know, Uh, because we, we tend to Love our own opinions and think really well of them. And when we love our opinions um and we don't love the person across from us, then we can't be happy in it. We, we, somebody attacks our opinion and we get mad and um, we feel personally attacked. And so uh, being able to being able to to adjust that, I think is is a valuable perspective.
0: Based on where we're at in this conversation, I want to wrap a couple of things together. a response because you talk about using an app for your social media, being happier, being centered, uh, preparing long-term for these moments of conflict that are somewhat, some of them are inevitable, some you can walk away from, but from a Christ follower perspective, how does self-reflection and emotional IQ play into our ability to take part in a productive argument?
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, small question there just. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that I think that one of the things that we have we have lost broadly speaking in in the world is a perspective that is the perspective of a healthy happy holiness. Holiness is whole w h o l e. And if we can't be, if we if we become holy, we want to move toward holiness. We also move, have to move toward wholeness, and that that perspective. And I, maybe this is just because I've uh, just re- been reading a lot of John Wesley lately, uh, but he he talks so much and so deeply about that topic, and and the uh, the ability to uh, to come out of a place of of being humble and centered before Christ all of those things it's one thing to talk about find your center and don't be have idolatry and 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 be willing to be humble and be willing all those things but you know a lot of that comes from a spiritual condition it comes from a spiritual condition of the heart and and there's a a tremendous, tremendous lesson. You mind if I quote some country music lyrics here? No, <laughs> Not at,
0: I'm from Indiana. We're, yeah, you know, right. It's, right. Okay. it's a so, way of life here.
1: Years ago, years ago uh, Tim McGraw sang a song called The Cowboy in Me. And he said, I don't know why I act the way I do, like I ain't got a single thing to lose. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I guess that's just the cowboy in me. The urge to run, the restlessness, the heart of stone I sometimes get the things I've done for foolish pride, the me that's never satisfied, the face that's in the mirror when I don't like what I see—I guess that's just the cowboy in me. And I would say, um, yeah, maybe if you want to call it that, he, what he's struggling with is is sin, and what he's struggling with is self and mm-hmm. the rulership, the centering of, the centering of me and my glory, and ultimately the glory of Christ. And our desire for Him, our beholding of Him, has to displace our beholding of the glory of self. And if it doesn't, we will never be able to center ourselves well on God and be able to center ourselves well on His truth and His voice and our identity in Christ. And so to me, and and I know uh, this is not like psychology, we're moving into gospel here, but to me, thats I'm a preacher, and that's what... That's what ultimately the problem is. It isn't just technique. It's condition. It's heart mm-hmm. condition. And, and so that's, to, to me, that's the thing I would, I would tell people is seek to have your heart right. Um, and then when, when your heart is in the right place and, and it's being transformed, then we, we find a way to, to focus on the glory of God and truth and goodness and beauty Instead of the glory of my particular political candidate or the glory <laughs> of my particular nation or my language or my ethnicity or my, my freedom or my Second Amendment or my, or my you know, sexual identity or whatever it is that people wrap themselves around and they make their identity, today, oh, if we could displace all of those identities and wrap our identity up in Christ— um, that's to me. That's what holiness ultimately means: is is being unified there. And holiness leads to wholeness. W h o l e wholeness, and wholeness is happiness. I, I that'll preach right there. Give, get
0: find alliteration there. Uh, I'm not hearing you say don't argue. I'm not hearing you say don't touch on hard topics. Sure. I'm hearing you say get your heart right, be centered, be happy be secure in your identity that is in Christ as we are image bearers of our God yes and then go out with love and interact with other people not forsaking the unity that we all need um yeah. wow uh, I that well you just gave me my sound bite for the <laughs> for the uh, the advertisement for this with, with that though uh just uh, I I wanted to make sure I get this question in because yeah, sure. we, we talk about all the things to do right the things that you can do right. Um, as Christians in arguments in whatever uh, area we're in, what are some of those common pitfalls that we might go into and how can we avoid them?
1: So common pitfalls in, in arguments um, for for Christians can be um, over-spiritualizing my own opinion, sometimes can be a, a significant one. Uh, in other words, um, we, we we don't have a humility and a recognition that our minds don't always think exactly right. And so we can over-spiritualize my own opinion and be like, well, mine is the only correct one. There is only one opinion on this situation that God approves of. And I don't think that, I'm not talking about going back to speculative latitudinarianism, uh, but I I am saying that to be able to say, "I I I know my opinion, I know what I believe, but, I haven't decided that only christians that this is the only thing that a, a Christian can believe. Obviously, there are some things that are like that. They're tier one truth, okay? You Absolutely. Know, the Trinity and the deity of christ and and all of those kinds of things. and and sin is is sin is not okay, you know and and all those right. all those kinds of things. But there's a lot of of issues that are not that they're not that level. They just aren't. And so we have to be willing to. Uh, to back off on those things and recognize when our opinion may not be, um, may not be the only spiritual one, and so that's I, I frequently see Christians fall into that one, and then it becomes it becomes ad hominem really fast because if you don't agree with me, that means you're not as spiritual as I am. That means you're not a Christian. Um, blah blah blah, and and around and around it goes, and everybody's mad on Facebook and subtweeting everybody. So
0: well, to to switch just a little bit here, and, and we're coming to the end of. There's so much that we've already talked about, so much that we could talk about. Uh, But let me ask you this question as we're coming towards the end. When you're in the middle of a conflict, um, whatever that may be, and it's seemingly unproductive or overwhelming, and you may not be able to use that tool of putting a pause on it and coming back at 5 p.m., can you just walk away? Uh, and, And if so, how do you walk away preserving the relationship, and, and making sure that the other person feels the love of Christ as you move away from that conflict.
1: Yeah, I do think that you can walk away, and it's sometimes is really genuinely appropriate to do that. The, the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, Stephen Covey talks about win-win um, or no deal. Um, so we, we don't do win-lose or lose-win we only do win-win, and if we if we can't do win-win, then we do no deal, and we we do it gladly and walk away. Um, but I, I think that that if you have to walk away in the age of social media, if you must walk away, uh, do it kindly and do it uh, with just reaching out to that person and, let it, and affirming their value um, at the same time that you you walk in the other direction, you know. I wish you all of God's best is a is a phrase that I use uh, frequently because I I mean it. Like I uh, sometimes I think that all God's best <laughs> means that they will change their mind, um, but um, I I really genuinely uh, want all of God's best for that person, and so I don't wish them pain or suffering or any of those things. I wish them all of God's best, and so to be able to uh, to do that and walk away with, with a, a good attitude, affirming that person's value and affirming that you want what is best for them, I think is what's within a spirit of love. Um, and as I er, quoted John Wesley earlier, if we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. Um, and that's, that's, I think the, the, the solution is to be willing to say, uh, look, I love you. Um, and I care about you. I want the best for you. I can't do this. I'm. I won't. I won't do this kind of conflict. It's unhealthy, unproductive, angry. I won't do that. But I do love you, and I will. Uh, I will wish you all the best, and I'll always speak well of you.
0: Wow. Uh, there's so many things in here that you've 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 touched on amazingly, just like you just did. Um, and and I I do have one more question for you, but before we get to that last question, I know you've been working on something that I've seen around speaking of social media <laughs> around Facebook and Twitter uh, that, that a project you've been working on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that
1: project? Sure. Uh, so I I do discipleship resources um, and for for local churches and and for people, individuals as well. Um, so, Uh, I have something that I I recently did. I I looked around, and I'm from a Wesleyan-Arminian background uh, like you, and um, looked around and I I realized that a lot of the resources about uh, holiness, growing in holiness and Christ-likeness and sanctification, that process, um, I realized that a lot of the resources that I would point people to were written not in the last 20 years, and some of them not in the last (laughs) 50 years. Um, and I was like, you know what? There, there needs to be uh, somebody who will, who will create a, a new kind of resource. So I actually, actually did. I created a resource for my church, um, and then I thought, you know, I, I'll pass this on to other people. So um, I call it Forty Days of Holiness, uh, and you can, you can actually uh, find it at. Uh, I'm sure this will be in the show notes, but uh, absolutely. Um, you can find it if you are interested of as getting it as an individual. You can find it at challenge. holiness dot com. Uh, so I just call it the, the Forty Days of Holiness Challenge. Uh, so challenge.40daysofholiness.com dot com will take you to the page where you can uh, see the details on that and learn a bit more about it. But it's it's basically a forty day devotional journey that builds a theology of holiness, what it means to be holy, What God, how God is holy, what uh, What are the limits on holiness, and how do I become holy, and what does it mean in, in practical real life, and so um, I'm getting a ton of feedback from a lot of people that it's really been helpful to them uh, to understand. Some people, for the first time, they, they just kind of grew up confused about what all of that meant, and so uh, they're not sure what, how to be holy. And uh, so I uh, get a lot of feedback. I've got churches that are actually taking it through, uh, taking their whole church through it, uh, which uh, people can do uh, at sales.40daysofholiness.com if they want to. Uh, if there's a pastor listening to this, you can check it out. Um, but uh, anyway, that yeah, I'd, I would love to have people stop by and take a, a greater look at that. It's, it's kind of digging into how God changes our heart and restores the image of God in us.
0: Well, here our our motto. We say it at the beginning of every podcast: uh, connecting people with education, resources, and community. This is is education and resources in one that we we. From what I've seen of it, very readable as well. Just very easy. Uh, it's multimedia, so it's not yeah. just you're you're reading something and contemplating in a dark room somewhere. Right, right. Um, a lot of interaction on it as well. It
1: is. It is. It's a lot. Of, there's there's a daily there's a daily uh, there's a workbook uh, with blanks to fill in, and there's a daily video that runs anywhere from like seven to twelve minutes, like that sort of idea, and that teaches through some aspect of holiness, and and then uh, there's like meditation questions. There's a five minute guided prayer experience where there's quiet music in the background. I pray over that content. Basically, I take that day's concept and pray it back to the Lord for like two minutes and then just the music continues for three more minutes. Uh, So you kind of like programs out your devotions a little bit. Uh, So if somebody wants to check it out, that'd be great.
0: Well, if you need structure, if you need a resource and if you want to learn more about God and his word, this is a great resource for you. So go ahead and check the show. Show notes below or whatever app you're in we'll make sure we have a link in there for you to, to head on over and check that out all right last question for you I know we're running out of time but um, I like to do this because so much comes out of these these last few moments uh, but if there's if there's one thing on this topic uh, of conflict in Christianity of loving one another of arguing like a Christian like a Christ follower there's one thing that we've talked about today, something you want uh, our listeners to really remember and reflect on, or an action item, whatever it may be. What would that be for Daryl Stella?
1: Wow, one thing to say. Uh, so if you don't mind, I think I'll share something that I felt like the Lord gave me to, to close a sermon that I preached recently that ministered to my heart, because it reminds me of the call that Jesus extends to us. And this is what I I said. To all those who know the joy of sins forgiven, but long for more. To all those who walk with Christ, but desire a deeper enjoyment of Him. To all those that know that Christ is the rightful King, but know the pull of their own will against His. To all those who want a full cleansing from the idols of the heart, I extend a welcome in the name of Jesus, the mighty purifier of His people. Wow, that's a that's a powerful invitation.
0: Uh, so much in this, um, and so much uh, for for me to work on. I'm sure listen, the listeners feel the same. Daryl, thank you so much for coming on Grace Story Podcast and sharing your experience, your expertise uh, on this hard topic. Thanks for having me, Nate. God bless. What a great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Daryl Stetler. Um, if you got something out of this, one of the best ways that you can uh, show support for Grace Story Podcast is to share this conversation, this episode with a friend. Send it through Messenger and in text or, or through social media. Share it to your page. Um, tell people about Grace Story Podcast. So they can get in on these free resources, uh, these great conversations uh, that we're all taking a part of. If you haven't already, head on over to ministries.com, Head to the conference section of that website and get your conference admission squared away. Uh, if you want to save 25% off of that, you can type in podcast 25 and save 25% off of your investment in conference all the way through November, which is when conference uh, will be coming around. It's going to be here before we know it. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks with another great episode for you. We hope you'll share this podcast. Like I said, uh, share with all your friends. Word of mouth is the best way for this podcast to continue to grow. So until next episode, don't give up. Keep moving forward. There is no us without you. So we hope you keep coming back and join us at conference. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, we'll be praying for you.